Hi, everybody. It's Leslie Jane Seymour here with the Covey Cast, and I'm so excited because today we talk to Carol Fishman Cohen, who happens to do this amazing job of helping women and men as well, but mostly women, get back to work, um, especially after what she calls a career break. And the career break can be a year to 25 years. And she has been instrumental, not just in helping women, but in helping the companies understand how valuable these women are in terms of creating diversity, creating income, creating um, a knowledge base for their companies to the point where there are more and more companies today on a lot of financial companies, a lot of Wall Street companies, a lot of tech companies that you may not know about who are running these actual relaunch internship programs. And so I'm very, very excited to have Carol Fishman Cohen of iRelaunch, iRelaunch.com on, and you are just going to get a whole map about how to put yourself back out there. It could be literally after a year of a career break, for whatever reason, you could be taking care of elderly parents or a sick child, or you could have left the workforce to raise children, whatever it is. Her point is, there are many things you can do to get back in, and she's got a whole program for you. So let's welcome Carol Fishman Cohen. Hi, Carol. So glad to have you here today on CoveyCast. How are you doing? Great, Leslie. Thanks for having me. We're so, I'm so glad. Talk about mother of reinvention. You are it. You're ground, ground zero for this audience, which I'm really excited <laughs> about. So Thank you. I wanted you to first talk about your personal reinvention star, story and how you came to start iRelaunch. And I will just tell everybody that you are really amazing at what you do, and they're going to learn so much today. Thank you, Leslie. That's so nice. Uh, so I guess we better wind back to when I graduated from business school in 1985. I worked first briefly in manufacturing, and then I ended up working in the Boston Corporate Finance Group of Drexel Burnham Lambert, the oh, investment bank. Oh, Okay. Yes, so I worked there in the late 80s, and in February of 1990, I was on maternity leave with my first child. In fact, I was a group of one of three women um, professionals who were pregnant. The, we were the first women professionals who were pregnant, and we got to write the maternity leave policy because they wow. didn't have one. And so we had given ourselves six months of maternity leave. Oh my <laughs> and, God, um, I was about halfway through it in February of 1990 when Drexel collapsed. Uh, and so the, there was no company to return to. Um, and I decided that I, I knew my husband and I wanted to have more kids and I was pregnant very quickly with my second on um, just a few months, maybe a few months after that. And so I decided I wasn't going to go looking for that next big job. So I ended up doing some project work for the Boston Corporate Finance Group of Drexel because that group reincorporated on their own. Uh, and so I did project work for them for the five-year period I was having more children. And when my fourth child was born, 
four. Incredible. I, yes. Then I left the paid workforce entirely. So I did that project work for about five years while I was having more kids. And then I was home. I was completely overwhelmed when my fourth child was born. And so I left the paid workforce entirely. And I began a six-year period um, home with my children. And uh, in 2001, uh, which was 11 years after um, th that Drexel had gone under, uh, I relaunched my career by taking a demanding full-time financial analysis role at Bain Capital, uh, mm. in part because there were ex-Drexel people working there who remembered me. Uh -huh. uh, and and that that could be part of, of what we talk about later about uh, people having a frozen in time view of you. But yes. so I had an eleven year career break, and then I went back. Uh, but I had skipped one of the most important steps, which is to figure out exactly what you want to do when you're relaunching. All those years later, so I was forty two years old when I went back, and. I didn't think should I be doing anything else than I had done before. I went sailing right back into the same role without really thinking it through. So I stayed there for about a year and then I realized I didn't really want to do the solitary intensive spreadsheet analysis that was a key part of my job. Uh, I loved meeting with company management. I loved um, the business writing piece. I loved presenting the investment opinion. So um, I ended up uh, getting first of all being featured uh, as a protagonist in a Harvard Business School case um, mm -hmm. about career reentry. It's it's oh. still around, um, and then after that, uh, with a co-author Vivian Rabin, um, who has five children and took a seven-year career break, was also in investment banking. She was at Lehman, and then um, went uh, back to work in executive search, we co-authored. We got a book contract. They had an auction for this. We got paid in advance to write back on the career track, which came out in 2007. And during the book research for that book, uh, we started getting asked to, when we were speaking in our research to employers and academics and work-life experts and recruiters, we started getting asked to speak and get involved in a flurry of activity in career reentry planning uh, programming that was happening pre-recession in the 2004 ah, okay. to 2006 timeframe. So, uh, we started getting asked to be involved in those programs, and then we set up iRelaunch in response to those unsolicited requests. Um, and then the first thing we wanted to do was to create uh, a return to work event. And so in uh, 2007, we started iRelaunch. In 2008, we ran the very first iRelaunch return to work conference, which remains our flagship event. We um, have run it 20, 20 times since wow. 2008. And so that's that's how it all happened. And is it... And is it all in different places around the country, or are you mostly in New York? Because I've only been to the one in New York, the event. Right. So there's a bit of a history to it. Um, we originally ran it every quarter in a different location. Okay. Uh, and then in 2013, we, we, we were starting to do a lot of other work in career reentry, and so we realized that we had to hire more people and we had to reorganize ourselves. So we decided to go with an annual model of running the conference only in New York and ah. then doing half days, customized events in um, other locations around the country. Uh, so that continued until this year actually where um, we ran our conference um, last fall and we'll run it again uh, this fall in a few weeks actually will be our 21st conference um, in New York City but we also ran it for the very first time 
in the Bay Area at Stanford University this past May. So mm. um, that's something we're really excited about is having the conference business grow again um, now that we are well established and staffed up and, and uh, we, we do a lot of other work. So some of the other major work that we do um, is with uh, companies, either individual companies or groups of companies to help them create career reentry programs uh, to engage with people returning after a career break. And we help them design those programs. We make presentations in them. We do manager training, recruiter training. We help them source, we publicize. So all the different pieces of helping companies build those programs. And then we also run group initiatives um, with industry organizations. So probably the one that's most developed is the STEM reentry task force that we run with the Society of Women Engineers. We have 14 global blue chip companies that have piloted or or are piloting re-entry paid re-entry internship programs for returning technical professionals um, through that initiative and we're going to have hundreds of people going running through that initiative and it's really exciting so you really used your personal experience of having to get back into the corporate workforce to create a business that actually helps more women do that, correct? You could say that, yes. Well, first, the first step was really writing the book that we wish, Vivian and I wish we had, um, right. because we felt, we didn't know anyone. We didn't even know each other. We felt really isolated. Right. We didn't have a game plan. The, the book gave a framework for the process and set it up in a series of steps. Yes. And then from there, um, you know, we've been working on this for almost 15 years now, and it seems like all of a sudden <laughs> there's right. a lot of focus on this issue. Um, yes. There's just, I think we hit a tipping point in terms of corporate interest, um, interest uh, among universities, uh, in terms of executive education and, and getting their alumni uh, back to work. There's a lot of media attention now, and it's just a whole new world um, in terms of where we are now versus um, where we used to be. But I do feel that having gone through the process myself and understanding every phase of that transition firsthand, I had to put my resume together again. I had to update myself after being completely professionally disconnected. I had wow. to reinvigorate my networks. To have experienced that firsthand um, gives me a authentic um connection to every individual who we work with who who is in all all stages of returning right so and I guess would you say that I mean the the biggest you know sort of transformation that I see now back when you were starting this um, we used to write stories at Mary Claire and at Red Book about you know women could the the workforce was porous. You could move in and move out. You could take a few years off. It was no problem. And then what sort of opened up, which is quite different, um, is the digital divide. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people who left the workforce, you know, 10, 15 years ago, um, don't realize how big that gap is. Do you see that as a major barrier in terms of getting people up to speed. Whereas in the old days, it was just, you know, oh, I have to, you know, get my contacts up to speed. Now you have to actually get your learning up to speed. Am I, am I correct or not? Absolutely. And I would divide uh, 
that category into into two subcategories. One is people who are in professions where essentially they need to learn basic office management software if they don't right. know uh, like Excel or PowerPoint or uh, you know Outlook or uh, Google Office or th those the that um, type of functionality. Um, yes. And then there are people who are in IT or engineering careers who have to learn new programming languages or become right. Lean or Six Sigma certified. And, and, and that's a completely different category. But we have seen, worked now with thousands of relaunchers and we've seen people uh, take the leap over that digital divide, as, as you're saying, and successfully relaunch whether they're in a technical career or a non-technical career. So it's absolutely possible to do it. We say it's a te temporary condition with some, when someone <laughs> okay. is tech technologically obsolete. And I, uh, you know, in my own case, I was doing financial analysis on Lotus One Two Three. You know, when I did it, it was working at Drexel in the late '80s, and I had to learn how to do it on Excel when I was returning right. to Bain Capital. And it really wasn't that hard. You know, I just had to sit down and learn it. I had to, got a tutorial and I did it. Um, you know, for people who have to learn a new programming language or get a specific technical certification, usually some kind of formal education is involved. But now that there's edX and Coursera, there are free options for people right. to take courses that are completely legitimate in the eyes of an employer as an uh -huh. updater, um, but, and others that, you know, may cost some money. What are the biggest barriers today facing, because we're, we're going to be talking about women here, though I'm guessing you deal with women and men, is that correct? That's correct. We view ourselves as our conferences as a return to work conferences and we're a return to work company. Um, you know, when we look at the stats of the, the, the most data we collect are on the 5,400 people we've had come to our 20 conferences so far. Yes. And consistently, uh -oh. we get about 93% women. But uh -huh. th there are men who are in career break, and we expect there to be a lot more men um, as more men take career breaks for childcare reasons or elder care or pursuing a personal interest or a personal health issue. We expect to see um, more men who are returning from career breaks as well. But yes, it is predominantly women at this and point. And so what are you seeing today as the major barriers for women who want to get back in? And is there a... A, a sort of, is there a, a timing that is okay to be out? So if you stay out for, you know, a year, two years, in the old days, I used to say two or three years seemed fine, more than that seemed to be a problem. What is it today in terms of, you know, you're having a kid and you want to completely unplug, is there a number? And then what mm -hmm. are the barriers that you see going back in? So, we have seen people return to work after career breaks ranging from one to over 20 years. Wow. And, uh, okay. you know, in fact, I keep saying I'm, <laughs> I want to write about success stories that, that we have after very long career breaks, like 15 years or more. But we have certainly seen uh, case after case of people who take lo long career breaks, let's say uh, 10 years or to 20 years, um, successfully reintegrate. Uh, so it's more of an issue of figuring out exactly what you want to do and then being pretty relentless about going after it. Um, however, you know, if you have taken a, only a year or two or even three of career break, 
you could be viewed as, as you know, in the same category as someone who might have been laid off or, you know, when we were coming out of the recession, there were lots of people who had career breaks of, of a couple of years and um, recruiters were getting used to seeing that and not assigning uh, so much significance to it. But, you know, to the extent that a uh, hiring manager or recruiter uh, assigns risk to hiring someone who is coming off of a multi-year career break, however they long they define when it gets risky, uh, that's one of the reasons that the career reentry internship has been such a successful uh, vehicle for employers to engage with this group because it lowers any risk that they may have. They essentially get a testing out period with the person before they need to make the hiring decision. So uh, that's what we suggest to companies that are concerned about performance after long career breaks. However, we also have success stories, many success stories of people who have returned to work without uh, going through one of those programs because there aren't that many companies that have them in in the scheme, you know, if, um, in the scheme of things. So uh, there are plenty of examples of how people get back on their own after long career breaks. And, you know, we, we can talk about some of the steps that they take. But, yes, let's do that. Uh, yeah. First, though, let's finish the thought about the internships. Where are they? How does, how does somebody listening find out about them? And what kinds of internships are they usually? And are they paid or unpaid? So first of all, they're all paid. So the, oh, when wow. we talk okay. about internships, an internship is only a catch-all umbrella term for any kind of short-term non-binding work arrangement. It could be a contract consulting role, a special project, an executive in residence, um, even temp work or an adjunct lectureship. Th those are all um, versions of what we call an internship. So I just want to state up front that um, it doesn't have to be called an internship, but we'll just use that as a descriptor um, while, while we're talking right now. Um, and that these internships are uh, programs are structured in some ways very similarly to a you know college internship when a summer internship when when groups of kids from I shouldn't say kids young adults in college um, start these internships as cohorts they go through as a cohort some of those are paid some are not paid because they get academic credit but the right. mid-career internship programs are all paid so I just want okay. to establish that up front uh, it's interesting that Wall Street and financial services has uh, really been the leading industry sector in terms of having the first, the crit critical mass of, uh, of these paid formal internship programs. Uh, Goldman Sachs had the first one in 2008. JP Morgan joined uh, with their offering in 2013. And then in 2014, MetLife, Morgan Stanley, and Credit Suisse started programs. And since then, we've seen, you know, Barclays has one and Macquarie and, uh, there's there's a whole uh, uh, range of additional players now who in the career reentry programming um, arena uh, that are in financial services. But those five uh, were the original group, and uh, you know I think it's because Wall Street and financial services companies are have been around for a long time, 
and mm-hmm. they have seen generation after generation of employees go through different life stages and they've seen women peel off of you know the the ranks on um, as they move through those different life stages and then they're left with a uh, lack of women in the mid to senior level roles and that's what these internship programs aim to fill so so we see leadership on wall street and financial services lots a lot of activity there in terms of career reentry internships and then the other area where at iRelaunch, we we have done a lot of work with the Society of Women Engineers uh, to create what we call the STEM Reentry Task Force, where we now have 14 global blue chip companies that are offering paid reentry internship programs for returning technical professionals. And these wow. range from IBM and General Motors to Northrop Grumman and Cummins uh, and you know, there are a whole range of them. And if people want to take a look at uh, the companies involved, you can go to reentry.sui.org and, and take a look at the STEM reentry task force. So that's the other area where we're seeing, uh, the other industry sector where we're seeing a lot of activity. Uh, and it's starting to spread. We have another initiative within financial, the financial advisory, financial planning field uh, with the Financial Planner Reentry Initiative with the Certified Financial Planner Board Center for Financial Planning. So that's another uh, area where we're doing a group initiative, and we're going to see more of this. And what is the thinking? Is it just the need for diversity that these companies have finally figured out that, you know, they've finally awakened to the fact that having a diverse, you know, um, culture and having a diverse board and all that actually brings in more money. We know all those numbers, but they've been avoiding them for so long. Or why do you think they're suddenly waking up now? Because certainly, you know, back in the 80s, 90s, knowing you you were out, that was it. You know, it was dog-eat-dog, mm-hmm. uh, vicious mm-hmm. financial world, right? And they didn't care. That's right. And I think a couple things are happening. First of all, there has to be some sort of sense of urgency and a, like that triggers one of these programs from to launch in the first place. And I believe the sense of urgency has to do with not enough women in mid to senior level roles. And this is a way to tap into a primarily female pool that's high caliber, people who are high performers before. And they simply took a career break for usually some kind of a caregiving reason, but for a range of reasons. That doesn't mean they're not high performers anymore. And so the that's that might be the impetus for one of these programs. And then once the companies start them and they see who is applying and who's involved, then other managers who might have been skeptical think, wow, there, there are a lot of really, really high caliber people who are coming in through this program. I think I might be interested too. And you start to see the programs expand across business area, domestically, internationally. Uh, so, and ultimately, the other reason why we're seeing them proliferate is because they work. Uh, so we're starting to get enough statistics on these programs that in the financial services world, we're seeing between 50% and over 90% of the interns who are in the financial services uh, programs, the cohorts, 50% to over 92% of them are hired 
at the end of their wow. internships. And wow. with the STEM Reentry Task Force, where we had the um, seven companies start programs in 2016, and we have seven more who joined in 2017. Um, but the, the first year's data show us that between 60% and 100% of the interns, depending on the program and uh, the cohort, because some of the companies like IBM and General Motors ran more than one cohort in a 15-month period. Okay. Uh, so 60% to 100% of them are being hired. So I think some of this is that the numbers are starting to speak for themselves. Okay. So where does... Um where does a woman go look? So if somebody's listening and she's, you know, her kids are about to go off to high school or whatever, does she go to irelaunch.com? Where does she go look to find out all about this? Is Has your book been reissued? Is it updated? So the book is not updated. In fact, we just had the 10-year anniversary um, uh, of the book. Uh, it still gets great reviews. It's still referred to as the Bible of Career Reentry. Um, okay. We're actually working on, on a different book idea, um, but that we haven't released that yet. Uh, but to find out about these paid career reentry internship programs, Yes, people should go to irelaunch.com and you'll they'll see on the first drop down menu for relaunchers we have a list that we maintain called 60 plus paid career reentry program internship programs around the world. Great. And I think we're up to 67 now and we track that and then we have a big list of career reentry programs of all kinds that might regardless of whether an internship is involved. So awesome. um, those are great resources for people to to get that information instantly. So tell me, what's the most improbable relaunch story you've encountered? Was Is there some <laughs> very colorful, interesting, or you may have more than one, but just in a short description? Sure. So we have a couple of um, stories where people returned after really long career breaks. Like we have a social worker who returned to a social services organization in Southern California after a 25 year career break. Wow. And she had been a volunteer um, while she was, she lived in the area and raising her four children and was volunteering at this um, social services organization called Families Forward. And she's bilingual in Spanish and she, over time, um, was always visible to them, but then ultimately returned in this paid role as, as a social worker there and is thriving. Um, we had a, another great uh, return to work story in tech. Uh, actually, this woman, Lori Hill, um, and, and and the first person is Mimi Khan. You can look her success story up on ivorylaunch.com also. Um, so Lori Hill spoke at our Stanford conference. She uh, returned to work uh, in a technical role. She's an iOS developer for NBC Digital out okay. of Seattle. And she had to take a nine-month iOS course uh, and came back after a 22-year career break. So pretty impressive. Uh, and then we've had some really moving stories of uh, there was a relauncher who had worked at McDonald's who had four kids who was widowed at a young age mm. and came to our first conference feeling like, is it too late for me to sign up? It was maybe three days before. And we said, absolutely not. You should come. And she ended up t returning to McDonald's after an over 20-year career break um, and, and at a time when she really needed to generate income. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, 
she ended up staying there for a number of years. So that, that was that was a very touching story because as you can imagine, you know, people return to work. Some people return to work because they they miss what was so interesting and uh, and stimulating at, at, about being in a working environment. And they're interested in the income, but not so much for the purchasing power, more as a validation of their role, whereas other people are returning to work because they're coming off of divorce or death or disability of a partner or spouse, and they need to generate income fairly quickly. And in fact, in those situations, sometimes people need to take a, any job to generate income while they're strategizing for their next role, which is going to be their true relaunch. So um, some of those stories are, are really poignant and um, and we work really hard with with people when you know we we hear those those kinds of stories. So what does that mean? Give me an example of somebody who you know their husband who is the primary breadwinner dies, or um, they get a sudden divorce and they're they're forced out there to make some money. So you're saying you grab a local you know fast food um, uh, job while you work on something that's larger to put you back into the corporate world? Is that okay? We have had people, and we recommend that people take, don't shy away from temp work. Uh, okay. It temp gets work. you back okay. in Within the organization. Your field, Jean, or? Uh, I'm sorry? Within your field, temp work within like, you'd have to have temp work within banking, or you just mean temp any kind of temp work? Well, if you are under pressure to generate income immediately, you may not have a choice in terms of what kind of job you need to take just to to pay the bills. Uh, So, you know, relaunching takes time. And the first step that you have to take that anyone needs to take is to figure out exactly what you want to do. And it may not be what you were doing before. So to figure out exactly what you want to do, to maybe take on some volunteer work in that in that area. Potentially, you have to take on some coursework. You have to spend some time getting out of the house and going to events where you're going to meet people in your field. Um, and all of that takes time. And if you don't have the luxury of time and you need to generate income right away, you may need to, to take a job that's not perfect, that's not even in your field, uh, to pay the bills. So yes, that's a possibility. Um, you know, ideally, it would be good if it's in your field, uh, but you know, temp work or contract roles are just like internships, and if they're in your field, they're absolutely resume worthy, and you can talk about how you went after that kind of a role, not only to update your skills and to demonstrate. Uh, what you can achieve in a working environment, uh, but also because of financial considerations. Now, let's talk, since we're sort of in that area, let's talk a little bit about pay expectations. Um, If somebody was on Wall Street or in finance back, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and they are coming back in now, are they starting at the very bottom of the food chain again? Is it $15 an hour? What are they, and what should they expect? Or is each category very different? Well, let's talk about a few things. First of all, deciding whether you even want to go back to exactly what you did. So it could be you were in investment banking before, like I was in corporate finance and we just, we traveled all the time 
and at a moment's notice. So mm -hmm. there are people who will decide, yeah, I had that pretty high paying job, uh, but it required 50% uh, travel or 24 seven accountability. And in my life stage right now, I, I feel like it's not compatible anymore. So I'm right. willing to take a job that is lower compensated, intentionally taking a job that's lower compensated that does not have those qualities. So just to acknowledge that there are people for whom that is the reality and they may intentionally take a lower paid job than what they left for that reason. Or maybe they decided that they are, were not on the right career path to begin with and they're relaunching in an entirely new direction and right. they, they are in an entirely new area. They may need to take a more entry level role for that reason because they're career transitioning, uh, not necessarily because they are relaunching. But uh, if you look at the, for example, Wall Street reentry internship programs, because we have enough of them where we can see where people, what, what level people get hired when they complete these internships, it's typically at the vice presidential level, which as really? it, it, wow. yeah, which is right in the middle. It's right in the wow. middle, and and usually right around where they left. So. You know, it could be that they were in corporate finance before and now they're in the wealth management group um, for their internship and they loved it. And that's and that's where they're being hired. So and I should say that there are some interns who have told us because we have a panel of interns uh, who speak about their experience experiences transitioning in these programs at our I relaunch conferences. And last year, I remember one of the interns saying specifically, she felt more empowered in her salary negotiations having completed the internship because not only did she prove to them what her capabilities were, she proved it to herself. And so she was more confident in negotiating with them what the terms would be and where she would uh, convert, so to say, speak um, at, when she was hired as an employee. Now, do you help them? Um, does iRelaunch specifically help people with their pitch? Because I remember, and you probably remember too, the old pitch from like, oh my God, back in the 90s was, you know, well, I've, I have management skills because I've handled four children at home. I mean, I don't think we're there anymore, correct? We specifically tell people not to refer to their parenting or mom right. skills when they're in these interviews, most importantly, because they don't know who they're talking to. They could very well be talking to someone who's been parenting children and holding down their full-time job the whole time. They're not going to be that impressed with someone who's been parenting and on career break. So we say focus on the skills that you have that are most relevant to your performance on, in that particular role that you're interviewing for. So for example, someone might say, wow, I see you took a six-year career break here for, for what, for childcare reasons? Tell me about that, because they'll see it on the resume. And that's the cue for the relauncher, as we call them, to say, yes, I took a, a career break to care for my children, and now I can't wait to get back to work. In fact, the reason I'm so excited about this job is because when I worked at ABC Company, we faced very similar cu customer challenges. Let me tell you about one. So mm. there you're talking about your prior work experience as if it happened yesterday. It doesn't mm. matter that it happened 10 or 15 years ago. But the point is, is that you have relevant experience uh, that to the position that you're interviewing for. And that's much more powerful than referring to any kind of 
you know, multitasking or sort of parenting skills uh, from your time at home. Now, are you putting the break on your resume? Are you flagging it or it's just somebody sees it? Are you actually saying you're not putting it on there? You're just, you just have the, the openings, correct? Well, it depends. If you are applying for, you know, now we have 67 corporate uh, reentry internship programs around the world on our list. If you are applying for one of those programs, you have to specifically have on your resume that you took a career break of two years or more. Sometimes it's one year or more, but you uh-huh. have to show that you took that career break in order to be eligible to apply for these programs. Okay. So in that case, you absolutely want to have it on your resume. Um, it, otherwise, if you during your career break, if you've done volunteer work or have taken coursework, that would potentially account for some of the time that you're on career break. But yes, if it doesn't account for all of your time, and then we have people who say, you know, I was on career break for a reason, not so I could be doing all these other things to prepare for my return, so I didn't do anything else. You you will still have to put on your resume, whether it's in the personal section or you put wow. it in the main body of the resume, you know, career break 2010 to 2017, or, what I did is I wrote community leader because I did a lot of volunteering work and I put all the volunteering stuff that I did. But okay. you have you cannot leave time unaccounted for on your resume. And the, the other thing to remember about this is ideally the first point of contact an interviewer is going to have uh, about you is by someone else who you know personally doing the handoff and saying, you should really talk to Carol Cohen. I used to work with her and she was really excellent. Uh, and and then the person's already going to know that you took a career break. But, mm-hmm. you know, it's unlikely you're going to be plucked out of a list of, you know, a thousand applicants with uh, your resume on there showing your career break. So is there a higher percentage? I mean, I think the current number, and you're probably more up on it than me, I want to say 85% of all hires are done now by word of mouth. It's not by just in general, you know, is that still the case? And is it higher if you're a reentry person? Well, we think it's even more important because like, as I say, if a recruiter's doing, let's say a LinkedIn search on keywords and your resume comes up with the rest of them and yours shows that you have a career break or volunteer work or however you want to put it for some of your background, you're likely not going to be selected as one, as one of the, the finalists. But if you know someone who used to work with you or a friend of a friend and they can say, you got to talk to this person. Yeah, they took a career break, but they're a real high performer that's what gets you uh, the interview. And that's really, really, I know it's important for all job people, all job seekers, but it's really important for the relauncher. We say you cannot conduct your relaunch from sitting behind your computer at your house. You need to get out of the house and have lots and lots of conversations with people about their work. And then they'll ask you about yours and you talk about what your career goals are. And the, uh, those conversations will yield a handful that will lead somewhere. And what is the role of social media in relaunch? Is this, and, and also the timing of a relaunch. If you want to, the, you know, because it takes a while to build up social media, I don't even know if you think it's that important. But how, how far out do you have to be, be, you know, thinking about, you know, I think this next year, a year after I'm going to want to relaunch? 
Well, I, I guess in part it depends what you want to do, but I don't think that you need to build up a huge social media following for yourself in order okay. to successfully relaunch. You do need to have a LinkedIn profile. That's for okay. sure. And we talk about how LinkedIn is a gift to relaunchers because it allows you to A, find all of those long lost people from the past that you might have lost track of, and B, it gives you a really nice low key way of getting back in touch with them to ask them to connect on LinkedIn. And then once they accept, you have their person, their contact information, you can send them an email and say, Hey, Jim, great to be back in touch. Uh, it's been a long time. I've been on career break for the last eight years. And I'm in information gathering mode, you want to right away at the beginning state, I'm getting in touch with you. Because once they uh -huh. see that you're don't have a job, they're going to think, oh, no, oh, this no, person connected with me because they so. want me to help them get a job. Right. But you can say I'm in information gathering mode. I'm trying to update my skills. Who do you consider the best experts in the field? Could I call you for 20 minutes? Can you walk me through some of the changes that have gone in the field? Or, or can you walk me through some of the career decisions you have made over the last eight years that will help inform my job search? Those are the kinds of ways you can initially build up a relationship with someone you've been out of touch with for a long time. And LinkedIn can help you do that. Great. Now you talked a little bit about the frozen in time view of you, I guess. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if you haven't been active on LinkedIn, so you think basically LinkedIn is the most important um, vehicle to get going. You probably want to well, get that going, you know, six months yes. to a year ahead of your time. You don't want to just spring it on them because it takes a long time to get that up and running. What about those people who knew you when? <laughs> yes. So frozen in time is one of our hallmark uh, concepts at iRelaunch. Uh, and it really has to do with when you've been out of the workforce for a long time, especially if you're in a caregiving role, you feel very professionally disconnected and you tend to experience a diminished sense of self over time because people attach their identities to what what they did in the workforce to a large degree. So over time, you as an individual may be experiencing this diminished sense of self, but all those people that you went to school with or worked with in the past, they don't know anything about that. They only remember you as you were when you were in school with them or when you were working with them. And I had a great experience. I went to my 15 year business school reunion and I encourage people to go to their reunions precisely at this point when they would be most nervous because they don't have anything quote to report career wise. But I, I went and I ran into one of my classmates who turned out to be a headhunter and we had a very pleasant conversation. Uh, and nine months later, she got in touch with me and she said, you know, something came across my desk that I think is a perfect match with your skill set. And I want to tell you about it. And I had to laugh because I thought, what skill set is she talking about when we were sitting next to each other back in 1983 as first years? That was like a perfect illustration of Frozen in Time. So that's good Frozen in Time. When you say Frozen in Time, I think of, yes. you know, Bad frozen in time. No, like, no, no. You're we only capable in of doing is these great. five things. And it's you, you a know. great confidence boost to hear from people who are enthusiastic about you returning to work because they remember what it was like when you worked together. Uh, so we look at frozen in time as a positive concept. Great. So as we wrap up here, um, will you tell me just what are the two most important things someone listening should do right away? Um, 
to, if they're thinking of relaunching, um, you know, are there, should they jump on your site to start with? Are, is, are there books they should pick up? Um, where do they start? And then what is the next step after that? Well, the first thing that a person needs to do is figure out exactly what you want to do. And especially if you've been on career break for a long time, have your skills and, and interests changed or have they not changed while you've been on career break? So that is a key step. It's really hard. It's much harder than just trying to update your resume. Right. And that's why people tend to avoid it, but it drives every other part of your relaunch. You can check with your alma mater to find out alumni career services at colleges and universities have become very built out and extensive now. It, it differs widely from school to school. Find out if they can give you resources to help with that career assessment. So that's one option. And then yes, go to irelaunch.com, but also go to our Facebook group. And we have a private Facebook group called the iRelaunch Return to Work Forum. Uh, we've had about a thousand people join in uh, two months. It's, it's brand new. And there is such great peer interaction there and support and advice. And the iRelaunch coaching team and executive team um, chimes in too. So I would say those two. And then we helped um, Lean In create, the Lean, Cheryl Sandberg's Lean In organization create Lean In, the Lean In Return to Work chapter. and within lean in return to work people are creating lean in circles um so they can meet oh. together and go through this process as a group it's so much better to go through it with other people than on your own and we also have six sessions of free return to work curriculum that's part of the lean in circles so take a look at lean in return to work as well so i go to leanin.com and look in look under that for return to work or you can do just do a search, lean in, return to work, and it'll come right up. Perfect. Wonderful. Now, what about you? What's exciting and energizing you as, uh, as you go forward? Well, we have had in the, in coming up in this next quarter, we have more corporate engagement at, uh, with, in terms of manager training and recruiter training and helping companies develop programs and doing specialized events than we've ever had before. So working with groups of companies and individual companies is where we're focusing a lot of time and growing our uh, initiatives with the Society of Women Engineers and uh, the Financial Planner Reentry Initiative are also huge priorities. So that's where, that's where we see a lot of activity and we're, we're really excited. Well, Carol, thank you so much for your time today. And I'm sure there are thousands of women out there who need this information. And I know they're gonna get in touch with you and, and join um, iRelaunch and, and definitely be part of your world. So, and thank you for doing that because I will tell you that I hear from so many women who are trying to figure out what's next for them. And, you know, people who've been laid off or people who are, trying to figure out how to get back in. And it's heartbreaking because so many people, the only alternative up till now has been, well, you can go into real estate. And you're here to tell people that that's not the case. There's much out there for you, no matter what. And I think that's really brave. You've really created a new service that did not exist, honestly, 20 years ago at all. So thank you. And I think all these women out there, thank you as well. Well, thanks, Leslie, for the opportunity to speak today. Great. Thanks, Carol. Bye.
拜拜。I want to thank everybody for joining us for this wonderful talk with Carol Fishman Cohen of iRelaunch.com. She is just so inspirational, has done so much for women, and I hope that you will go online and check it out. I hope you'll share this podcast with anybody you know who is trying to relaunch themselves or thinking about it. I think she's an invaluable resource. And I want to thank you in general for being part of the Covey cast. I hope that you will pass this along to anybody you think uh, would like the Covey cast, where we talk about women reinventing themselves or creating systems for helping women to reinvent themselves. And I hope that you'll visit also the CoveyClub.com, which is going to be our whole club system, which will be launching very soon. And I hope that you'll leave us some uh, reviews, hopefully, at podbean.com or in iTunes, which will help other women find us. A good review, of course, would be helpful if you like it. And I hope that you'll join us again for another version of CoveyCast, where women are talking about how they live their most authentic lives and how they reinvent themselves for that life ahead. Thanks again. It's Leslie Jane Seymour for the Cast. Enjoy your day.